0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones.
0: And I'm Noelle Herhusky schneider this is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, November 17th, 2021.
2: We've not had that coordinated, broad approach to this issue previously.
1: Later in the program, WFHB News Director Kate Young speaks with Efrat Pfefferman about Heading Home 2021, a long-term housing-first approach to combat homelessness and housing insecurity in the community. More coming up in today's feature report.
0: Also coming up in the next half hour, smartphone safety on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment with host and producer Richard Fish. More following today's feature report, but first, your environmental news brief.
3: From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, November 17th. I'm Nathaniel Weinzapfel. A recent study from Farm Week, an online agriculture publication, has found that the reduction of pesticides by Hoosier farmers will increase the number of bees that pollinate crops and thus increase crop yields. When pesticides were applied only when desperately needed, the bees were able to survive and continue to pollinate. The research was conducted over a four-year period on various watermelon patches throughout the state and in environments that replicated the average agricultural field for Hoosier farmers. The study found that there was a definitive increase of 26% in average crop yields once pesticides were reduced and only applied when needed. Over 17 state parks throughout Indiana are shutting down for the beginning of deer hunting season. The hunts are scheduled for November 15th to 16th, and November 29th to 30th. With no natural predators present in the state, deer have taken over large parts of Indiana's forests and are even found walking through more urbanized areas. The annual deer hunts began in 1993 to deal with this problem with over 1,243 deer killed last year in Indiana State Parks. Some wildlife biologists believe that these hunts are necessary to ensure balance within Indiana ecosystem and allow native plants to thrive. Last week, Indiana University students and faculty held a climate change panel at Indiana Memorial Union. This meeting coincides with the Student Involvement and Leadership Center's monthly panels that seek to address local issues that affect the Bloomington and the Monroe County area. More specifically, there was an emphasis on climate justice and how more marginalized communities are more likely to be affected by the worst aspects of climate change. This includes people with disabilities and the elderly. There was also discussion on how to best deal with the often distressing climate change news that shows a dark vision of the future. The panelists told participants to remain optimistic and to believe that the work from the local community all the way to the United Nations can help prevent the worst aspects of climate change. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Winesapple.
1: November 12th at the Monroe County Women's Commission. Commission member Peter Iverson shared that Monroe County approved $10,000 for Girls Who Code in the 2022 budget. So the Monroe County budget passed last month and in it was uh, dedicated funding for Girls Who Code. Oh, that's great. Wow. That's great. I'm so happy that Monroe County is going to be a player in that and that we're going to be able to have dedicated funding going into the future for girls. Yeah. Commission member Michelle Bartley-Taylor reported that the girls' coating camp was successfully completed at all three locations. The next Women's Commission meeting will be held on December 10th.
0: Local government has pledged nearly $4 million to combat homelessness in the community. During a press conference last week, local officials announced the Heading Home 2021 Funding Partnership. According to Executive Director of United Way, F. Rott Fefferman, United Way of Monroe County secured funding from the City of Bloomington, Monroe County, and the townships of Perry and Bloomington. WFHB News Director Cade Young spoke to Fefferman on the phone earlier this afternoon to discuss what that project entails.
4: Efrot Pfefferman, Executive Director of United Way of Monroe County. Thank you for coming on to the WFHB Local News.
2: Thanks for having me.
4: United Way of Monroe County has garnered over $5 million for the Heading Home 2021 initiative, which is a long term, housing first approach to combat homelessness and housing insecurity in the community. So, would you just walk me through what those funds will be used for?
2: Sure thing. And uh, this is a collaboration with our Community Foundation of Bloomington-Monroe County with support from several partners, including the City of Bloomington, Monroe County, Bloomington Township, Perry Township, and the South Central Housing Network along with numerous other volunteers who have spent their time over the past 10 months or so updating this plan for our community to reduce homelessness and housing insecurity. Primarily, what makes this very different is that we've not had that coordinated, broad approach to this issue previously in this region. We've had a lot of great nonprofit agencies such as Beacon and New Hope for Families and Wheeler Missions and many others do great work, serve you know the the clients that come to them and um, help them to address their urgent needs as well as long-term needs for stability. But where we struggled is on those comprehensive strategies, everything from pulling together community-wide data so that we know how we're doing to coordinating efforts to house people uh, throughout the region and to prevent people from falling into homelessness. So this plan, you know, will not be anything that's over with quickly. These issues are tough. They require a lot of work on many different fronts, but what we will be able to get started with, thanks to the funding commitments from the city of Bloomington and Monroe County and others, some some first steps, including hiring a, a small team of professionals that are going to be dedicated to this work day in, day out. And that's that's something we've not had before either in the community. The team is going to build an active coalition uh, that meets regularly, uh, works on strategies, monitors progress, and so forth. They're going to create that data set and dashboard for the public um, to be able to see where we are to benchmark ourselves on progress and and to monitor that over the years. And then work on some specific incentives for housing folks, uh, working with landlords on, you know, things including um, a risk mitigation pool that we're going to explore other incentives and just starting with education and outreach so that we can build those relationships and, and tap into them so that hopefully when folks who are vulnerable need to be housed it's a win win for both the individual and you know that landlord who may have a vacancy and be interested in in taking someone on with the supports that that they need so
4: the united way of monroe county the community foundation of monroe county and the housing insecurity working group conducted a report titled heading home 2021 a regional plan for making homelessness Rare, brief, and non-repeating. So with this project, how do you hope to make homelessness those three things, rare, brief, and non-repeating here in our community?
2: Right. So each of those goals has different strategies underneath it. And when we're talking about preventing homelessness, we're talking about making sure that folks have the right support to stay on top of their Mortgage or rent, especially when something unexpected happens, or if they have a dispute with the landlord and are facing eviction, that they have the legal support that they need to work through those issues. There are also strategies for other services that you know have to be part of the big picture when we're talking about preventing homelessness so things in the realm of financial stability and employment and even childcare and transportation are big factors in assuring that people can remain self-sufficient right mm-hmm. and then when we're talking about someone who's already in homelessness this plan is really centered around uh, what is called the housing first approach And that is an approach that's been adopted nationally, Um, HUD utilizes it, and locally we've taken some steps towards it. And it's really based on the premise that in order to really help an individual or a family move out of homelessness, we've got to be quick about it, and we've got to attend to housing first. Let's house them first and then offer the support of helping them find employment and attend to their health needs or, you know, maybe there are substance use or mental health issues that have gone unaddressed. But until that person has um, a stable place to sleep at night that, you know, is secure and that worry is taken off of their minds, it, it's really not as productive to focus on those other things and and that's kind of flipping the model that had been used for many decades where you know people in homelessness were told well first let's get you you know a job so here's all the things you need to do to get a job let's see that you're staying on the job which of course requires you know things like being able to be presentable and 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 clean and well fed and have transportation. And you can imagine how challenging that is if you don't know where you're sleeping that night to commit to you know a steady job um, and all the things that go with it. So flipping the script on that, housing people first, and in order to house people first, we have to open up some housing options in the region we know that in Bloomington in particular the market is pretty saturated for affordable rentals and supportive housing and other transitional housing programs and other things and that's why this approach this plan really looks at our region and the untapped potential of relationships throughout it to get people housed just as i as i said
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you touching on the housing first model. I think that's a good segue for my next question. You know, I've covered issues of homelessness and housing insecurity in Bloomington and Monroe County for about two years. And in my coverage, I've heard from sources about the importance of involving people experiencing homelessness in tackling issues of poverty and housing insecurity. So would you just Describe for me how the Heading Home Project plans to work in tandem with the unhoused community.
2: Sure. Certainly the development of the plan included input from unhoused folks and folks who've had some lived experience with housing insecurity either on our committees or through partnership with the Bloomington Homeless Coalition, we actually were able to send out some paper surveys and gather feedback from folks that are unhoused. And 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 that was critical and it will continue to be critical to gather and involve people with that experience because you know the, the practitioners um in social services can can really attend to a lot of things and and have a perspective that's more you know on the systemic level, along with perhaps some personal background and, and perspective. But folks who are trying to navigate our systems and are in housed have a whole different perspective on what's needed and what would be helpful to them and what challenges they encounter day to day in in trying to navigate services and resources.
4: And I want to pivot here a little bit and talk about funding. So you mentioned several partners. The city had committed $1.2 million to support the project as a part of its Recover Forward initiative. Deputy Mayor Don Griffin said during a press conference that the city of Bloomington will dedicate an additional $1.5 million for the project in 2022. And also Monroe County Commissioner Julie Thomas said the county designated one point two million dollars in here now plus an additional one point two million in endowment funding for long term solutions to combat homelessness. So um altogether, would you just explain how uh this funding has come together?
2: Sure. I commend our partners uh for prioritizing this um and and for realizing that um without resources behind this plan we may just be here again in a few years, um, you know, wondering what we need to do. And, and I think that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic is this opportunity to have some funding with flexibility through ARPA and, uh, to really take a look at what our most critical needs are as a community. So the city council of Bloomington did approve the 1.2 million that was proposed by the administration. And then they have also appropriated 1.5 million to other strategies that align with our plan, including investing in the housing authority's new development, down payment assistance, and designating a landlord risk mitigation fund for Bloomington here. And then the county uh, has not fully completed their ARPA process yet, but they, all of the county council members and all three commissioners did sign off on a letter of intent to commit the total of $2.4 million that you mentioned, 1.2 for operations and programs, and $1.2 million uh, to seed an endowment fund at our community foundation so that we can sustain the operations of this work beyond the ARPA timeline. And that right there, you know, both of those things, attending to our ability to launch this initiative and our ability to sustain it, are just incredible gifts to the community. And we're just, the Community Foundation and United Way are very grateful for our our partners and and their support. And they're heavily involved in the work as well. So uh, it's just been a really great collaborative process, and we're excited about getting this fully launched.
4: So in conducting research, just being involved in searching for long term solutions to housing insecurity, what are your biggest takeaways on how we need to solve this crisis on the local level?
2: Yeah, I think the strategies in the plan really reflect the research that was done over the span of months by our committees. And, And one of them specifically looked at best practices throughout the nation and throughout the world. And so the things that you see in the Heading Home 2021 plan really reflect the best practices out there from communities who are um, making a difference and, and seeing that. So first of all, the housing first approach uh, was key. Second of all, having some sort of entity responsible for these strategies and executing them. So that's, again, why why we're here and why this is being taken in at United Way and the Community Foundation as the entity that's going to oversee the execution of this plan. And then some of the other tools that that we mentioned to incentivize rentals um, and and housing opportunities are in there as well. So I think the plan really does reflect the, the current best practices as well as strengths that we possess in our community to build on already. And, and I think that collaboration is, is truly one of those that that, you know, we identified as an asset that we have and something to, to build on.
4: That's all the questions I have prepared for you. Um, but I want to give you the last word. Is there anything else you would like to add before we sign off?
2: If anyone is interested in getting involved, we do have an interest form on our website at monroeunitedway.org forward slash housing. There are many ways to get involved. Uh, We're going to have committees that work on different pieces of the plan. We're going to have outreach and education efforts. We'll have a lot of different opportunities for folks to get involved. And if this is something you're interested in, please fill out that form and we'll be in touch as we get going.
4: Efrat Pfefferman, Executive Director of United Way of Monroe County. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much for reaching out. Appreciate it.
1: Up next, we have smartphone safety on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment with host and producer Richard Fish. We turn to Richard Fish for more.
2: Welcome. To better beware here's your consumer watchdog from wfhb community radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds your feet on the ground and your money in your pocket
5: okay you've got a smartphone right Almost everyone does these days. You may even have a new one like me. I had an older iPhone and was told that it was going to stop working. Early next year, the 3G network is going to be turned off. That's the original cell phone network, which has now been replaced by the faster, newer, better 4G network, and the even better 5G network is being introduced. So anyone with an old phone is facing getting a new one before it turns into a brick. But how safe is your smartphone? We all depend on them more and more, and smartphones do an awful lot of things, which means there are an awful lot of ways you can be at risk. Here are a few things to consider. First, bloatware. That's all kinds of programs and apps that come pre-installed on your phone when you buy it. You won't need all of them. You might not need any of them. Go through your phone and delete, uninstall any app or program you're simply not going to use. In fact, even if you've had your phone for a while, it's a very good idea to remove any apps you aren't using. Some of them can run updates in the background and use up your battery and sometimes hackers come up with a way to use one app or another as a back door into your phone. Go into settings and look at the list of installed apps. You might be surprised at how many there are. If you're thinking of installing a new app, do some research first. It's always best to get new apps from the Google Play Store if it's an Android phone or from the Apple App Store if it's an iPhone. These two sources really make an effort to keep hackers at bay, but even they aren't perfect. Getting a new app from somewhere else is risky. You may be tempted to download an app from the grocery store, the bank, a restaurant, or a concert venue, but at least ask about it. Better yet, go online and search for that app and any problems connected with it. Find out who built the app and what kind of security provisions are built in. Getting an app from a department store may be handy when you need to find something at the store, but hackers may have gotten to it, and you may be opening a door to having your data stolen. If the app is available from one of the two main app stores, it's at least been checked out and approved by Apple or Google techs. Finally, your phone will have a password for your account with Apple or Google. Make sure it's a strong password and change it occasionally. Even the biggest companies get hacked and it's up to all of us to keep ourselves safe.
1: You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Weinzappel and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young.
0: Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky-Schneider.
1: And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org.
0: You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at wfhb.org.
1: Stay tuned for Hearabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB.